Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm your nasty dream. And I am Andy Duchesne. <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll make sense shortly. <laughs> it was a horrible impersonation, but that's just what came out. <laughs> it's fine. Welcome to episode 131, Fall Brawl 1994. War Games. I expected more of a Regal impression, guys. Mm. Regal wasn't in War Games. <laughs> That's true. That's, uh, <laughs> touché, touché. So this is the second annual Fall Brawl produced by WCW. It would take place on September 18th, 1994 from the Roanoke Civic Center in Roanoke, Virginia. Roanoke. With a attendance of 6,500 people. I mean, that's probably fine for Roanoke. Yeah, that's also a lot, of, a lot of Virginians. There's a reason that they're in a smaller building. A couple people might not be here. Yep, I'm pretty sure that that's why they ran in a smaller building. Because they can. Or they already had the building booked, and they were like, we can't pay these guys. <laughs> no shit. True. Good point. Night off. But we're in Roanoke, Virginia. So Shane probably brought us something pretty delicious since it's it's not Philly. It's not Philly. It's not Philly. Thank fucking God it's not Philly. Yes, we are in Roanoke in Virginia. I've never been to Virginia. Been close by. Been through Kentucky. Been into uh, Tennessee. But never actually made my way over to the, uh, the Virginia. Virginia's. But I, I did my research and uh, looked up to see what the signature sandwich of... Virginia is, and it came back as something a little simple, a little delicious. It is the ham biscuit sandwich. It's as simple as it sounds. A nice biscuit with some country ham or whatever ham you prefer on it. I doctored these up a little bit. Uh, first, I got the biscuits from our friends over at Honey Bunny Biscuit Company uh, right here in Oklahoma City. Become a staple of this show. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, so uh, that, far, that, that's have, like, uh, yeah. that means they're at least like the third or fourth time that we've... I think so. Yeah. We did a, a Southern Gentleman once. We did the uh, the Velvet Elvis one time. Yeah. Yeah, this one, uh, I got the biscuits from there, and then uh, I also reached back to... Uh, we got Where you got the, the jellies. Good, the good jams. Yeah. I don't know. They were in Georgia. Was that Georgia? Yeah, that was Georgia. Yes. The Blazing Blueberry... Oh, yeah, that was sandwich. good stuff. Breakfast sandwich yes. thing. Yeah, that was good. Um, when I ordered the blueberry, I also got a uh, cranberry pepper jelly... And a uh, apple fig pepper jelly. So I put both of those on this biscuit. Uh, and then I also put some blue cheese crumbles because blue cheese goes well with cranberries and apples and figs. Sweet, salty, safe. Exactly. Um, umami. <laughs> umami, exactly. Umama mia, even. Because it's it's pretty good. I slathered a whole bunch of jelly on this one, so it's like oozing off like honey, but... It's delicious. I'm going to take a bite because i got to talk with my mouth full. <laughs> Another staple of the show. Exactly. Yeah. 
It's delicious. All those flavors just melding together. Yeah, blue cheese adds a nice little little uh, sharp flavor in there. Yeah, absolutely. Stops it from being too sweet. Yes. So while we're devouring these delicious ham biscuit sandwiches, something that came out, or something that happened right around the same time as Fall Brawl, the next week, Shawshank Redemption would be released to theaters, in which it would earn seven Academy Award nominations. The uh, the it did. the cable the cable classic. Everybody knows this is like it just was on cable all the time, and you just watched it. It was on TNT all the time. Oh yeah. <laughs> Actually, I think one of the shows we watched with ads. No, I guess no, because that would have already happened. Yeah, yeah. No, but Shawshank. That was going to be my other name choice. Was the Shawshank Redemption? <laughs> but I went for Andy Duchesne. <laughs> Andy Duchesne's very good. Andy Dufresne. Who directed that movie? Frank Darabont. Oh, okay, cool. Yep. I knew that. I did not. Uh, I Yeah, because I remember being excited when he was attached to the Walking Dead TV show, but I don't think he lasted on very long, and I didn't watch very much of that Basically show because I didn't like it. six episodes. Yeah. No, oh, the only episodes I've watched. I, I, watched <laughs> I watched a little bit into the second season and realized I didn't care anymore, but I was the guy that read the comic book for a long time, so I was like, ah, this isn't, like, I feel like I've just had enough. I liked that it was different, but I also wasn't very intrigued. But, you know, Frank, Frank Darbont. It's a big name to attach to a, a big book, big comic book and television show at the time. Another big name, Morgan Freeman. That's a big name. Oh, yeah. Oh, Tim Robbins. Not as big of a name, but still a big name. Hadn't he already done Hudsucker Proxy at yes. this point? Yeah. So he was, was a big... He was well-known. He was well-known. Yeah. Because that was kind of the first thing that I think I remember. I mean, he, well, was, he was already with Sarandon. I think so. he did The Player as well as an earlier movie he may have done. Yeah. I will say that my hot take is that I like Tim Robbins more than I like uh, uh, Morgan, Freeman. Morgan Freeman just in general. <laughs> yeah. No, Tim Robbins great. He was very deserving of an Oscar in this one even though he got beat by Tom Hanks. But yeah, I mean, what the hell was that movie? Philadelphia? No, I, that's the one Tom won for. Uh, the one that Tim Robbins ended up winning Best Supporting Actor for, Mystic River? Oh. Is that what it was? Sean Penn? Yeah, Maybe, I never saw Mystic River. That's like Eastwood movie, right? Yeah. I think so. I don't think it's an Eastwood movie. I can't remember. Anyways, he's... I remember he's being always told that movie was good, and then I watched it, and I was like, oh. Howard the Duck? I like this as much. <laughs> Hell yeah, Howard the Duck. I mean, when you go from Howard the Duck to Oscar winner. Oh, Hudsucker Proxy is the same year, uh, right after Shawshank. Oh, is it? It's a good year for him. Okay. I personally like Hudsucker Proxy more, but I'm a weirdo. I like both these movies a lot, obviously. Was that Hudsucker? Uh, Coen uh, Brothers. Coen Brothers, yeah. 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 I was trying to remember for sure. It's actually one of my favorite. Like, it's a good choice it's, to be one of your favorites. Yeah. It's really good. It's good. I think my favorite still is Raisin Arizona. I mean, aside from Big Lebowski. But. Yeah, it's too hard to pick. There's they make too. There's too many good movies that I'd have to like really. I'd have to like make a chart for me to go figure out my favorite Coen Brothers movie. Yep. Shawshank is like I know you don't like it, but it's. Definitely, I like it. I thought you said you didn't care for. No, I said I, I like it. I like Hudson like Proxy more. Oh, okay. As far as, you know, Tim Robbins' 1994 yeah, vehicles. Sure. Uh, Shawshank <laughs> is probably one of my favorite movies mm-hmm. of all. I mean, it's like, literally if it's on, you have to sit there and watch it. It's, it's just it's, it's just so in, it's incredibly watchable. And 
it just yeah it, it plays out like a slot machine you know but the big question is was Andy Dufresne guilty after crawling through that much shit who cares <laughs> <laughs> I mean obviously that's not how justice works but uh y- you know <laughs> it's 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 to be continued in Shawshank. Shawshank Redemption Part Two. I will say it's hard to it's hard to see Tim Robbins just with just his face. Shawshank Two Redemption. Yeah. <laughs> his the face redemption. his face doesn't look malicious. Just, Tim Robbins just doesn't look like a mean guy. Doesn't yeah. mean that he can't be that a bad guy. But like that's just his, look at that face. Yeah. It's like Primal Fear. You know, he's a sweet baby face kid. Except he was this brutal killer underneath. Every, everyone's capable of evil. Well, let's head off to Virginia and talk some fall brawl. We get animation of a computer screen with coordinates and narration talking about launching a missile. It reminded me of, like the the early like video game like DOS tank wire games where everything's like just basically shapes. The logo comes on the screen. Narration continues with previews of the matches, including saying two titles are on the line. Then proceeds to tell us about three title matches <laughs> all right that producer didn't catch that one tony shivani then welcomes us to the show and he sends it to the stage for martin del rey Ooh. to sing the national anthem wasn't the greatest of starts but he, he finished strong yeah he did he kind of rushed through it which i appreciated but it was by far not like it was not the worst it was just a fine little con little, little con- southern fried you know pan pan fried quick minute steak version of the national anthem as, as they uh, cut away to wherever hell he was at yeah that's what i wrote down in my notes was insert random country singer here <laughs> that's their don't best know one. who you are not the worst that they've had but not the greatest all i'm saying is if i had a uh, wrestling promotion aaron neville every single <laughs> pay-per-view to be on the payroll Hey, I mean, if you can get Michael Buffer, why the hell can you not get... <laughs> Eric Neville's got to be cheaper than Michael Buffer. That's probably why they can't get to him, they're paying Michael Buffer. Yeah, yeah, they're really flying him in... For one match. All the time. Mm-hmm. Martin Del Rey did have one big hit. It was actually a cover of Johnny Cash's Get Rhythm. Come on, Get Rhythm. When mm. you get the blues, I get the blues. We all, yes. we all get the blues sometimes. No, that's Alan Jackson. She got the rhythm, I got the blues. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, we all, we all, everybody knows, you know, the 10 Johnny Cash songs you at least need to know. Exactly. Shivani's then joined by Bobby the Brain Heenan and Mean Gene Okerlund. They preview the matches and interviews that they are going to have tonight. Oh, yeah, they're, Mean Gene's going to talk to Hulk Hogan later, who is not there. Woo! It's my favorite kind of show. Yeah, nothing like winning the belt and taking a vacation. Mm-hmm. Tony then mentions an injury to Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> Which we actually talked about a few weeks ago. Yeah, we yeah. There's a hole in our boat. Uh, these injured Ricks are just starting to break my heart. <laughs> but we go to our first match. Johnny B. Bad, the 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 first match man of WCW <laughs> versus Lord Steven Regal with Sir William for the WCW World Television Championship. I'm gonna start dubbing him uh, first match Mark. <laughs> <laughs> And if we haven't mentioned before, which I know we did, there's war games tonight, so that means there are two rings. Ooh. You know what would be cool is if they had a, a war games that the special referee was Matthew Broderick. 
<laughs> and that's <laughs> so the first in a series of bad jokes. <laughs> so the match gets going. We get back and forth chain wrestling between the two. When Johnny delivers a drop kick and goes to the arm, only for Regal to attempt to escape with a monkey flip. But Bad holds on to the arm, hitting a hip toss and wrenching on it until Lord Steven makes the ropes. Regal with forearms, a sunset flip, only for Bad to reverse it into a jackknife pin for a two count. Johnny hits an airplane spin that forces Lord Steven to bail to the outside. But Bad flies over the top with a biscotto before rolling him back into the ring. And like watching it, it's kind of a scary one because the camera is on the floor and then Johnny P. Bad is like right in front of the camera, just barrels out out of nowhere. Yep. And you're like, oh my God. And I rewound that one a couple times just to see if like how they landed because it just happened so quick and so <laughs> surprising that I was like, oh, because it's like so, yeah, you can't see anybody's full body because they're that close to the camera. Uh, I love uh, that... Johnny B. Bad has just gotten so good at uh, the catch arm work. Mm-hmm. That's his, that's his bread and butter. Uh, in between, you know, sunset flips. You're looking pretty. Mm-hmm. Regal's up and he tries to grab Johnny, only to be hit with a jawbreaker across the ropes. Back in the ring, Johnny goes for a running crossbody, but Lord Steven ducks and takes control of the match with stomps and chokes. Even Sir William gets involved using his cane. Turnbuckle smash, European uppercuts from Regal, only for Bad to ask for more. So Lord Steven obliges with more forearms. Johnny begins to fire up with a knee lift, only to receive a vicious European uppercut to knock him back down. Regal stays in control with a drop toe hold and a full Nelson. But again, Bad fires up with an atomic drop and a back body drop. Johnny's sent to the ropes, only to come back with a tilt-a-whirl head scissors. But Lord Steven tosses Bad out to the floor to break the momentum. Johnny comes back into the ring with a sunset flip, when Sir William puts his umbrella up to help Regal stay on his feet. But the ref sees it and kicks it away, allowing Bad to complete it for the pin. And, and no! Lord Steven kicks out. Regal with a European uppercut as Sir William jumps on the apron to hold Johnny. Lord Stephen charges in with a big left hand, only for Bad to duck, knocking Sir William down and allowing Johnny to roll Regal up for the near fall. Bad goes for an elbow drop, which Lord Stephen avoids, starts laying it in with the uppercuts again, only for Johnny to catch one and turn him around for a backslide, for the pin, and, and the, the win. win. And new! Look at Johnny be bad with the title. Look at Steven Regal doing the doing the job. This is a pretty clean pin. Yeah. I, pretty clean pin. I mean, we've had a good little feud between the two. Mm-hmm. It was, it was mm-hmm. time for Johnny to probably get oh, one. He'd been around for a while, popping the crowd first first thing. I'm trying to remember. Had he won it before? Or nope. was this his this first? Is okay. first yeah, I said this was his first. Uh, okay. That's what I was saying. Yeah, I couldn't remember. Did he? Has he tagged with anybody? Yeah, I don't. I feel like he's Not just, really. he's just no. been Johnny be bad. So he went through that little yeah. weird gimmick thing where he was wearing his mask for a while. Yeah, he's been around so long. People yeah. are just, you know, he's just a staple. He kind of hosted or helped with the bikini contest for Medusa oh, and yeah. Jesse Hyatt a couple oh, years a, back. That was a fun show. <laughs> I miss Jesse. Tony and Bobby recap the events of Clash Twenty Eight. 
tell us that Flair has been suspended by Nick Bockwinkle before sending us to footage of that show. We see the mystery man take Hogan out with the lead pipe and Bockwinkle telling everyone that Hulk has to compete in the match or forfeit the belt. There's there. But Hogan makes it to the arena and takes it to the nature boy. And we get to see the big boot that precedes the win. <laughs> Yay. The mystery man then comes back out to help Nate beat down Hulk after the match. We then go back to Shivani and the Brain, where Mean Gene has joined them to discuss who the masked man is. And Oakland says he was on G. Gordon Liddy's radio program to discuss, and they are convinced they know who it is. G. Gordon Liddy, uh, somebody I should know? He helped in the uh, Nixon. Wow. So, so it was a joke. Or is it not G. Gordon Liddy actually did have, have a radio oh, okay. show at this time. Okay. Because I thought it was a joke as well, but I looked <laughs> it up and he actually did have a radio program. Hmm. If Mean Gene actually was on there, that I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure G. Gordon Liddy has no interest in Redacted being on his show. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> mean Gene says that Heenan was probably involved and then hypes up the hotline because... Yeah, you know, that's what he does. We, 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 need, we need your parents' money. Yes. Right. We then go to our second match. Cactus Jack versus Kevin Sullivan with Dave Sullivan in a Loser Leaves Town match. Shane, you just said us something about Dave Sullivan. What was it? Hall of Fame, whatever the hell that little sign was that I saw that I sent you guys. The Nebraska Sports Hall of Fame? <laughs> yes. Inducted. Dave Sullivan this year. Way oh. to go, Nebraska. Mm. Ever, nice. Yeah, the number one Hulk, Hulkamaniac, Dave Sullivan. <sighs> Brother. Yep, Dave comes, <laughs> Dave comes out dressed in his pajamas, his Hogan pajamas, as the two men meet on the floor to start brawling. Jack's head smashed against the guardrail before they finally head inside the ring. More headbutts from Sullivan, but Cactus Jack retaliates with some turnbuckle smashes and some right hands that sends Kevin back to the outside. Jack removes some of the padding around ringside before heading up to the second rope, only for Dave to get involved holding his boot, which allows Sullivan to recover and slam Cactus Jack off onto the concrete. Splat. You know, that's... This, we all know Mick. That's this is like Mick's fully sound. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's Mick's signature is basically to take concrete bumps at this point in his career. Yep. Kevin keeps up the punishment inside the ring, working the bad ear of Jack, only for Cactus Jack to bang bang up, hitting a back elbow, a running elbow drop for a two count, and then tosses Sullivan back out to the floor. Jack goes for a pile driver, only for Kevin to reverse it into a back body drop onto the concrete followed by a clothesline. Sullivan rolls back into the ring, kicking Cactus Jack each time he attempts to get into the ring. So Jack grabs a chair and tosses it into the ring. But the ref removes it as Jack rolls in. He thought he was in Philadelphia. Cactus Jack runs into a big boot and is thrown to the outside, only for Jack to grab that chair again. But Dave pulls it away. Oh, Dave. Cactus Jack's head slammed into the still steps before being rolled back in. Kevin takes the chair into the ring and goes to use it on Jack, but Dave pulls it away from his brother. Aw, Dave. Jack then charges at the Sullivans, only for Kevin to move out of the way, causing Cactus Jack to knock heads with Dave 
allowing Kevin to roll him up for the pin. And the win. So Cactus Jack must leave WCW. And this would be the last time we see him in a WCW ring. Yep. I wonder where he's going to show up at, guys. Yeah, what, a, what, a, what a great decision. Yeah. The best thing that could ever happen yeah. to him. Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> and Dave, for that matter. Yeah. Uh, so, with, like, Dave taking the chair from Kevin, how much sense does this is... Is this was this no DQ? Loser leaves town. No, but what would Hogan do? Hogan wouldn't use a chair. Brother. Good point. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> the man bites. The man pokes. The man rakes. He back rakes. Oh, yeah. He only uses chairs on giants, or yeah. swinging over the top rope at somebody that's on the floor. Yeah, yeah. Which I think was a giant too. <laughs> we go to Mean Gene in the back with the stud stable. And Buck starts screaming how it's supposed to be Ming in the matchup, not Colonel Parker. And Funk volunteers to be on the front line against the FBI, the Fat Boys Incorporated. (laughs) Arm then chimes in that you're going to have to kill us. We then go to Tony and Bobby, and they discuss Ricky Steamboat. Before sending it to Gary Michael Capetta in the ring with Nick Bockwinkle. Stunning Steve, Austin, and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat both come out to the ring, and the commish announces that Steamboat has to forfeit the title due to injury, with Austin making fun of the situation. Commish continues that they are handing the title back to Stunning Steve. And this is considered a title change, so... And new! Aw, the, um... Even Bachwinkle says, like, you know... Ricky will get a chance later, like, if he's ever, ever able to compete again. It's like, come on, man, let's be positive. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't say things like that. I mean, at this point, he had basically decided to hang it up, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get it, but it, uh, for me emotionally, I was like, come on, think positive. Like, I know the deal, but. But even though he had decided basically to hang it up, he does tell. Ricky does tell Austin that he starts his rehab tomorrow. And remember that I beat you. You never beat me. And I actually went back and looked. Every title that Austin lost, lost he had lost Steve a steamboat, and Austin had never beat me. If Austin's going to... one on one match. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. If Austin's going to lose to somebody, might as well be Ricky Steamboat. Yeah, and waited. And I'm sure that they... The continuity there yeah. on that one, WCW. He didn't fuck that up. It was probably a, a, a probably a thing between the two guys. <laughs> I mean, oh, there's no way Austin doesn't respect the living shit out of that asshole's steamboat. not pinning me. I want steamboat. Stunning Steve then goes gets on the mic and he says, "I don't have to tell the world you are one of the greatest champions to ever set foot in the ring, but let me tell you something right now." It wasn't all that respect. You mealy-mouthed Hawaiian punk. Oh, well, maybe not. Maybe I spoke too soon. <laughs> you saved yourself one hell of an ass-kicking. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no he, not, not he, yet. He didn't say that. Too soon, too soon. Austin goes to leave, saying he's done for the evening, when Bockwinkle tells him he has to wrestle tonight in a championship match. Which brings us to our third match. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, versus stunning Steve Austin for the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship. What a good substitute for Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. It's like the best one. Yeah. I mean, it's like twins. 
So we haven't seen Hacksaw <laughs> since King of the Ring 93, all the way back in episode 92. Stunning Steve's yelling at the commish as Steamboat and Duggan embrace. Bockwinkle tells the ref to ring the bell, even though Austin's literally just still arguing with Nick. He probably still has his vest on. Mm-hmm. He gets... He turns around and gets in Hacksaw's face, but then turns to get back in the commission's face. Duggan hits the three-point stance. Makes the cover. For the pin. And the win. And new! Quickest title change ever. Oh, no. USA. USA. Mean Gene then catches up with Hacksaw at ringside. And he says, it's unbelievable. The greatest night of my life. As the crowd's chanting USA. He then starts going off on Ric Flair. Running around with a bogus world title. Saying, Hulk Hogan is my friend. No shit? I would have never guessed. Yeah. At all. I was trying to figure out what you were doing here. What? You haven't wrestled in a year and a half? and Two years. You're going to walk in and win a belt? Never would have guessed. Hmm. More like coattail Jim Duggan. We then go to our fourth match. Stars and Stripes of Marcus Alexander Bagwell and the Patriot versus Pretty Wonderful of Pretty Paul Roma and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. You know that they brought out Stars and Stripes right after the Duggan win. Oh, yeah. Just keep that that flag moving. Keep that flag waving. America. This match is for the WCW... World Tag Team Championships. And as you mentioned, Duggan, Stars, and Stripes, they high-five because, you know, they're all because for they, USA. They, love they all have team. the same music as well. <laughs> I love that uh, the the Pauls, Orndorff and uh, Roma, are, decided to start rocking sunglasses. <laughs> Why not? They're cool, man. Yeah, they are cool. I think they're really cool. But also, as Stars and Stripes makes it to ringside, we see our friend Blacktop Bully a.k.a. Barry Darsow. We saw him at Class 28, but he didn't have his blacktop bully name quite yet. Yeah, I was calling him Plant Fan. And I forgot to mention it as well, but the last time we had seen Barry Darsow was all the way back at Royal Rumble 93, episode 86. Was he just a Rumble contestant? Yes. Yes. And was he as Repo Man? Yes. But Blacktop Bully grabs Bagwell, who we also haven't seen since Starcade 93, episode 107, which gets him ejected by security. We also haven't seen The Patriot since WCW Saturday Night, episode 117. So it's been a little while for, for these guys. It's been yeah. too long since I've seen The Patriot. Yep. R.I.P. <laughs> so we get two guys chanting wonderful while the rest of the crowd is chanting USA. Before transitioning into a Paula, bunch of assholes. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't. They just don't know greatness when they see it. What are you talking about? Marcus Bagwell's in the ring. <laughs> hey, ba- I'm, 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 I'm half in the bag. For, <laughs> for, <laughs> but you know, I'm, um, I'm, I'm Team Morndor. Remember you said that. <laughs> <laughs> so the match gets going with Roma hitting a knee to the gut and right hands to work on Bagwell. Until Marcus comes off the ropes with a crossbody, a hip toss, and starts working the arm. 
The Patriot keeps up the arm work, followed by Stars and Stripes, both hitting crossbodies on Mr. Wonderful. A double hip toss on Pretty Paul by Stars and Stripes. Then Bagwell is running the ropes, only to be grabbed by Orndorff on the apron, knocking Marcus down. Pretty Wonderful then starts working Bagwell's neck. Mr. Wonderful hits the shaky knee elbow drop. Oh, it's so fun. And shoulder blocks in the corner before going to a front chancery. Marcus fires up to escape, hitting a sunset flip only for Orndorff to drop down on the shoulders. But Bagwell's strong enough to roll Mr. Wonderful over for the two count. Roma comes in with a drop kick, a body slam, and heads up top for a flying elbow drop for a near fall as the Patriot makes the save. Oh, I love that Bobby Heen was like, this Patriot guy, why the mask? Is he ugly or should he just not be wrestling? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Bobby. Orndorff tosses Marcus over the ropes to the floor and falls out to continue the punishment with head slams into guardrails and the brain's ice cooler all while the ref is distracted, getting the Patriot back into his corner. Mr. Wonderful still working on Bagwell outside, even dumping the contents of the cooler on top of Marcus. How's Bobby going to wet his whistle? Before being dragged back into the ring, where Orndorff hits a clothesline and goes for a pile driver, but Bagwell reverses it into a back body drop. Pretty Paul regains control with an elbow drop and a front chancery, which leads us to a false tag spot. But the Patriot doesn't care, and just starts laying it into Pretty Wonderful with left hands, body slams, drop kicks, and a double clothesline. Orndorff rolls out to the floor and heads over to Marcus to hit a pile driver on the concrete, while the Patriot is still working over Roma inside the ring with a drop kick and a full Nelson slam. He makes the cover, but the ref finally helps him realize that he's not the legal man. Mr. Wonderful then rolls Bagwell back into the ring, where Pretty Paul makes the cover for the pin and And the win. win. Fun hot tag that wasn't a hot tag? Wasn't hot enough. Nah. It's kind of a weird finish for, I don't know, the finish felt weird considering it was like a pretty traditional, like, solid tag match up to that point. Tony starts shilling for the hotline before sending it to Mean Gene in the back with the Nasty Boys, Dustin, and Dusty Rhodes. Fucking Dusty's Nasty Dream t-shirt. Did did he even think for a second that his shirt said Nasty Dream? I (laughs) I love it. Maybe he thought maybe... He could have had it on there as Dream Nasty. Oh, yeah. I mean, which way is worse? Yeah. Dream Nasty (laughs) sounds like a fucking Prince song. (laughs) Dream Nasty. Or maybe follow up to Pussy Control. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Or maybe like uh, Rick James. You know, Dream Nasty might be a... But, I mean, I don't know. Prince got pretty nasty at times, so, you know. Basically, this entire interview is just everyone yelling about war and getting nastified, and that's basically all it is. No one really says anything of... Baby. Yeah, I mean, Dusty importance. talks, which is always good, because it never makes any sense, but you always get pumped up. That's the, the art of the old school uh, promo. We then get an ad for Halloween Havoc, which we'll cover next week. Next week. Next week. A double dose of WCW. Uh-oh. Doesn't always go down like that. Shivani then sends us to a video package about the triangle match. And we get Okerlund narration over the video talking about the rivalries between the three men. And who will survive to become the number one contender? 
So we get our fifth match. Guardian Angel versus Vader with Harley Race versus Sting in a triangle match to determine the number one contender for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. How does that quite work? What's this triangle match about? That's a good question. Yep. So basically, they all come to the ring. Nick Bockwinkle gives each one of them a coin to flip. Already too convoluted. (laughs) And whoever the odd man out receives a bye in the first round. Which, after flipping the coin, it's determined Sting gets the bye. I'm sure those coins really actually got flipped. You could see that like he went and grabbed them so fast that he just wanted to make sure that your camera didn't see what it actually was. He's like, Sting! Uh, Sting is the odd man out. I mean, we couldn't rock, paper, scissors for this. We got three guys. We got three symbols. So basically, so the first round, it's a 15-minute match. If there's not a pinfall, they go to a five-minute overtime. If there's still not a pin, they go to sudden death, which basically means that if someone gets knocked down, the other person wins. Then it turns into a sumo match. <laughs> and whoever wins the first part of the match then faces Sting in the second part of the match with basically the same rules. After they went potentially over twenty five or over twenty minutes, Possibly. potentially. Yes, yeah. that's that's the fair thing to do. Is let them wrestle. Hey, he won match. a coin toss, man. <laughs> fair is fair. I'm just like, there's been three-way dances, guys. Just just do one of those. Can you imagine trying to fucking get Ray Trainer in a in a triple threat match? I'm sure he does it at some point in his career, but it's we're lucky enough if he has a a, a quick one. I mean, he's been out there with Mr. Perfect and the Genius. It's, it's the same mentality. You just gotta <laughs> go out there and you know throw shots at everybody in the ring. But instead, we get this weird match also yeah guardian angel still over it in case anybody was curious i never got with it (laughs) so vader starts yelling at sting as he's leaving the ring shoving so sting jumps back in only for the angel to stop him and calm the stinger down way to be a guardian there angel Keenan keeps calling Guardian Angel Boss Man as the two <laughs> men lock up with no one gaining an advantage. Oh, he also makes a, uh, calls him a crispy uh, cream old donut breath. <laughs> I was like, oh, I guess big is a big. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's still once a cop, always a cop. I don't know. At least if, as far as Bobby Heenan's concerned. He is also like, you know, basically a proud boy cop now, just beating up drug dealers. Invader. <laughs> yeah. They go to a test of strength. Only for Vader to hit a knee to the gut and start delivering stiff shots at the corner. Avalanche splash attempt, but Angel fires out with multiple clotheslines, to no avail. Guardian Angel tries to pick Vader up, but he is too heavy, so Vader regains control with an avalanche splash. Angel ducks a clothesline, slams Vader down to the mat, followed by an elbow drop to the gut. Tries for the body slam again, but he's still too heavy. Right hands knock Vader down, allowing Guardian Angel to head up top. But Vader moves to avoid the double axe handle, causing Angel to fall across the top rope. More elbows from Vader. Race gets involved from the floor before Vader tries for another avalanche splash. But Guardian Angel avoids, rolling up Vader for the near fall. Angel comes off the ropes with a crossbody for a two count, followed by a clothesline from Vader that sends both men out to the floor. 360. 
Harley rakes the eyes and holds Guardian Angel as Vader charges in with a right hand. But Angel ducks out of the way, knocking Rice down. Vader tries for an avalanche splash against the ring post. But again, Guardian Angel avoids, sending Vader face first into the post. Posted. Back into the ring, Angel with an insiguri goes for the body slam again and gets it this time. Going for the cover, but only for two. I mean, you know, everything's in threes, guys. You've been watching wrestling for a while. Body guillotine from Guardian Angel. He slides out to the floor to deliver a right hand before tossing Vader to the ropes, where he bumps into the ref. <gasps> ref bump. Followed by Angel hitting the boss man slam. Okay. The, uh, the angel slam? Uh, yeah. The, go- the, the guardian drop? Mm, the guardian drop's nice. <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs> I don't know. Guardian angel makes the cover, but Harley jumps in the ring to hit a diving headbutt. Followed by Vader hitting the Vader bomb for the pin, eliminating the Guardian Angel. Oh my goodness. The the Fallen Angel? That's Christopher Daniel. Yeah, (laughs) I know. So we get a 30 second rest period. That should do it. And Sting enters the ring. That's all Vader needs. (laughs) He's not blown up or anything. Sting enters the ring and the two men stare each other down before locking up. For the number one contender. Vader keeps shoving the stinger away, but Sting pops right back up. Uh, they tell me that Vader was in an episode of Thunder in Paradise. What's he doing working with Hogan? I guess they're both Bunch heels in my eyes. In an episode of Thunder in Paradise. Yeah, I'm sure they were. Stiff shots in the corner from Vader, only for the stinger to no-sell him. Come back with a rake of the eyes, a drop kick, clothesline, before running into an avalanche. Vader hits a body slam. A Vader bomb. He decides to go for a second one, only for Sting to pop up and kick him off the ropes. No, if the, yeah, Sting's already learned from Hogan, getting all in their in their eyeballs already. Vader with a clothesline, and he goes for the Vader bomb again, but the Stinger moves out of the way, going for a sunset flip, only for Vader to drop down, which Sting avoids. The Stinger hits a clothesline that knocks Vader to the floor, and he follows out with right hands. Harley grabs Sting to hit a suplex, but it's blocked and countered with a vertical suplex of his own to drop Race onto the floor. Harley, just the king of taking bumps. Mm -hmm. Back in the ring, the Stinger hits a vertical suplex of Vader. He comes off the top with a flying splash, then a running splash, but Vader gets his knees up. I think he was actually supposed to get his knees up on the flying splash. Yeah, I'm thinking that too. He forgot. (laughs) Let's run it back. See? They should have given him a full minute instead of just 30 seconds. (laughs) I know, man. His legs are big and heavy. They couldn't go to commercial. Vader with a body slam and climbs the ropes to the top for a Vader salt. But nobody's home as Sting rolls out of the way. How many Vader salts does Vader actually land, poor man? I guess probably more than Japan is the answer. Probably. The Stinger takes the big man up to the top rope to hit a superplex, following with a leaping elbow drop for a two count. It's like half superplex, half DDT. Fireman's carry drop for a near fall. The Stinger pounds Vader back into a corner before delivering a Stinger splash and a clothesline for a two count. Sting hits a release German suplex for a near fall, but Vader starts firing up with stiff shots 
before kicking him out to the floor, where Harley gets involved again, smashing the stinger's head against the apron. Back in the ring, Vader starts unloading with short arm clotheslines as there is five minutes remaining. You get some money with three of them things. But Sting begins to no-sell the stiff shots in the corner, firing back with right hands, clotheslines, and stops when Vader rolls to the floor to regroup. Three minutes remain as the big man rolls into the wrong ring, but the Stinger just comes flying over the top rope with a clothesline, goes up top for a second one, and then goes up top for a flying splash for the pin, and no, Vader kicks out. The big man starts pounding away again, hitting a back suplex, but a slow cover only gets a two count. Vader then heads up top, only for Sting to catch him coming off and power slams him to the mat. 30 seconds remain as the Stinger hits a clothesline, makes the cover, but Race pulls the ref away to break the count. I mean, you know, what do you got a manager for? So Sting goes to the Scorpion Deathlock, but Vader grabs the bottom rope as time expires. So we go to a five-minute overtime. And we get another 30 second rest period. If that. But they really don't care about these rest periods. Nope. No, they so don't. Vader... I feel like the time, they were like five minutes left and then like three minutes went by and they're like, we're out of time. <laughs> so Vader just gains control with right hands and a vertical suplex before setting the stinger up on the top rope. Where the big man is punched off with three minutes remaining. Sting is headbutted down to the mat with Vader heading up top, only for Stinger to meet him there and super backdrop the big man down. Vader reverts back to the stiff shots and a body slam with one minute remaining. A running splash for a two count. Vader then hits a power bomb with 10 seconds remaining. Makes the cover for the pin and no, Sting kicks out. So we're headed to sudden death. As Harley is yelling at the ref that he is insane. So if you remember, sudden death means the first person that is knocked down to the mat is the loser. I mean, that's a compelling thing to be the way a wrestling match ends. Just going to play that out. Don't you think? No, not really. (laughs) I'm glad we all agree. So the Stinger crawls out of the ring they're in and heads into the original ring to try and get some distance. But Vader follows after him to start hitting right hands and short arm clotheslines, which has Sting phased, keeping himself up on his feet by the ropes. Oh yeah, he's uh, fading, kind of like Hulk Hogan, holding himself up by the ropes. The Stinger finally catches Vader with several roundhouse rides which brings Race up on the apron. But the guardian angel comes running down, dragging Harley off down the aisle, which the ref goes out to the floor to break that up. All while Sting has hit several shoulder blocks, which knock Vader down to the mat. The crowd's going crazy, when all of a sudden a masked man jumps in the ring and hits the stinger from behind knocking him down to the mat as Vader makes it back to his feet while the ref rolls back into the ring. So Vader is your winner and number one contender. 
Son of a bitch. Yeah. I hope he... I mean, we don't know what's going to happen later, but we know that Hulk Hogan doesn't like to lose belts. It just feels like, let's let's get a big guy to eat a big boot. Very that was my first thought. Yeah. And then my second thought was, I hope you go back to Japan quickly, Vader, for your own sake. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. I, I, I hope he does too, but... That's not where disappoint he, you. That's not where he goes. Yeah. He goes and gets his heart broken. Aw. <laughs> Vader loses his smile. <laughs> yeah. As if he ever had one. We get Tony and Bobby all out of breath. Trying to recap what we just saw. Before they start to preview the main event. When someone pokes Shivani on the shoulder. And he looks at them with a, I'll be with you in a minute. And I'm just like, what, what What producer is, like, what is the producer trying to tell him at this point in time? Yeah. See, my thought was, was that somebody from the show? Or is that, like, his son is sitting in the front row, like, Dad! Dad! I mean, he, they weren't close enough to the sure. to the crowd to for it to have been True. a fan. So I was like, it had to be a producer or yeah. a ref or something <laughs> like that. Then Tony sends it to Mean Gene on the stage. And Oakland... Sends it to Hulk Hogan via satellite where he's working out in his gym. He says, I wish I was at Fall Brawl, brother. It's like, LOL. No, you don't. Yeah. Hulkster says he's getting the knee back in shape for another go at Ric Flair. He's hanging and banging. When all of a sudden Jimmy Hart runs in with a phone saying the nature boy is calling from Vegas. And then we all of a sudden go to a split screen with Flair... Sitting in Vegas with some lovely ladies. We get the side-by-side shot of them talking to each other. Which I'm just like, if they're talking on a phone to each other... Like, how did we get a f- camera in Vegas for Flair all of a sudden? Like, we just had Hogan via satellite. We didn't yeah. have Flair via satellite. Yeah, this feels... It's like, oh, yeah. You know how... This you isn't know, planned, guys. No, it's yeah. Like a sitcom route. We know how, like, yeah, wrestling makes uh, no sense... Nowadays, with the way they do interviews and stuff, like, you know, this is still better than most WWE promo stuff, but it's still kind of like, all right, well, you know, we could have just not done this. But the two, like I said, they're talking back and forth. Nate basically calls himself the real world champion, and he has a belt, which looked a lot like the AWA belt. I don't know if that's actually what it was. Yeah. But it definitely wasn't big gold. Hogan says that he knows that the masked man was all Flair's plan. So he challenges the nature boy to a loser must retire match. And then after the call is over with, Hulk reveals to us that his knee isn't really hurt anymore. And he just suckered Nate into a match. I mean, you know, isn't there a more subtle way to do that than on like the pay-per-view? That Ric Flair on the the company Ric Flair works for. Arn Anderson's in the building. He's gonna help. He's gonna let his brother know what happened. I mean, <laughs> it's all silly. Mean Gene then goes to look for Bockwinkle before sending it back to Shivani in the brain, where they talk about what they just witnessed, and then they send it back to Oakland. So I guess he found the commission that quickly. And they basically say that the phone conversation is considered to be a verbal contract. The commission and the board of directors are adding a stipulation to the match because of the masked man. 
a steel cage. Bum bum bum. You know, you mm. trilogy got in in a steel cage. But of course, Mean Jeans over there going, "What? What? You can't do that." And I wrote, "I think we figured out who the biggest Hogan Mark is." <laughs> Dave Sullivan. <laughs> oh wait, that's yeah, Hulkamania fan. Mean Gene. I think it was the first time that I was just like, Mean Gene, God dang it, son. Same feeling. I was like, I was like, ah, Gene, don't, you didn't have to do that. I mean, I know you guys are friends, but yeah. We go back to Tony and he sends us to some video footage to explain why Mean isn't in the War Games match. We see Mean Gene asking Colonel Parker about his health at, on a WCW Saturday night. Because the executive board has ordered that Mean is not allowed to wrestle. So it must be Parker, while Arn is breaking the fourth wall and yelling, Who pulled this coo-op? That's what he said? Yeah. He likes that part. He said coo-op. He meant coo. Yeah, yeah. But he said coo-op. Yeah, it's like Arn caught himself and then just went to a higher register. A register we've never heard his voice in before. (laughs) We then get footage of Anderson becoming Dusty's tag team partner at Clash 27 before turning on him at Bash at the Beach. Dusty comes to help his son deal with a stud stable at Clash 28, where Double A and Ming receive elbows and chair shots from the American Dream, only to beat down Dusty. The Rhodes then meet with the Nasty Boys to ask them to join in their fight against the stud stable, talking about family which I thought was super appropriate since Sags is actually Dusty's brother-in-law. Oh, really? Yeah. I, know that. That I did not know. Married to Dusty's wife's sister. Hmm. So. All right, cool. Um, is this the longest feud we've like seen in WCW is Dustin and Bunkhouse? It's up there. In a while. It's been going I mean, it feels like it's been going it, on it for a year. It's going through all of the stud stable. It's been going on for so long. Yeah. Within the I guess ma- that's why it's going on in a cage now. I mean, they have to make it to war games, right? Yeah. We see the nasties get into a bar fight to prove that they're nasty enough. I'm sold. Yeah, that bar sure looked like a bar. Mm -hmm. Not a storage unit with a red light. So we go to our sixth match. The stud stable of Terry Funk. The enforcer, Arn Anderson. Bunkhouse Buck. And Colonel Robert Parker. With me. Versus the Nasty Boys of Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sags, the natural Dustin Rhodes, and the American Dream Dusty Rhodes in a War Games match. Guys excited? We love I want war- to be. We love War Games. I do, usually. I just hope I love this one. I don't know if I love War Games. Yeah. I mean, I love the... <laughs> Thought process. Dangerous Alliance yeah. versus who the hell they go against that year? The one with the Pillman one, right? No. Mm-hmm. Sting and Dustin and I don't remember. Yeah. But I think it was Barry Windham was on that team too. Possibly I might be wrong. Anywho, there's one, one where like there's one where Zabisco gets like yeah, kicked that's, out. that's the Dangerous Alliance. One. Okay. Zabisco like taps or whatever. yeah, Zabisco and Eaton like. Do the whole thing with the... That's the one he's talking about. Yep. That one I liked up until the ending. But the rest of them have just been kind of... Eh. 
I like the Pillman one. I like the early ones with the Road Warriors just because they're wild. Yeah. Michael Buffer recites those famous words as the cage is lowered to the floor. Mean Gene gives us the rules with the seven pages of writing on the screen. Seven periods, seven pages. And if you've listened to this at all or if you've ever watched War Games, you know those rules. I'm not repeating them. <laughs> oh. I'm not taking up 30 minutes of yeah. our time. Google it. Arn and Dustin are the first two men into the ring, with Rhodes attacking as soon as Arn Anderson gets into the ring, brawling away until Anderson sends the natural into the cage. Rhodes comes right back with a top rope clothesline, sending the enforcer into the cage. Arn keeps going from ring to ring to slow the pace down. When he goes to slam Dustin's head into the cage, but is blocked, allowing the natural to slam Double A's entire back into the wall. Atomic drop, big boot to send Anderson over the ropes and to the area in between the rings, where he gets his head stuck. <laughs> so Rhodes just continues the punishment. It kind of looks like shit. It's like, oh, we got a couple inches on each side, maybe a better yeah, ca- camera angle. I mean, it's, better. A call, it's a callback. Yeah, that, yeah. That first time that we saw it in the the one that, I think that was the one. The, the Dangerous, Dangerous Alliance. Alliance one, yeah. Yeah, that one was done beautifully because it was done from a distance. So all you saw was Arn's head disappearing between the two rings. This one was but close one, up. Yeah, way too close. So you could see that all he was doing was just bumping his shoulders on the yeah. the, the, the mat. Bad. The Enforcer's able to make it back to his feet to fight back until he's backdropped into a ring, followed by Dustin running the ropes in the other ring, leaping over all of the ropes to clothesline Arn. It's a big one. Mm-hmm. The natural grabs the top of the cage to swing himself with a kick on double A before hitting a bionic elbow, right hands, and a stomp to the gut. Leaping lariat, elbow drop, and Rhodes goes for a back body drop, only for Anderson to catch him with a DDT. The enforcer takes control by choking Dustin with a with tape and a big left hand. But the natural comes back with a drop kick to send Arn rolling to the other ring to get a reprieve to no avail as Rhodes stalks after him to apply a single leg crab. Five minutes is up, and shocker, guys, the stud stable wins the coin toss <laughs> as Bunkhouse Buck enters the cage. Wait, is Shocky back? Buck with a big boot. Stable teams up with a double back elbow and throwing Dustin into the cage before starting to work the arm, locking on a double single leg crab. Well, that's a fun, fun, cute little spot. I like that. Two minutes is up, and Jerry Sags jumps into the cage with a double clothesline on the stable, delivering body slams to both before sending them both into the cage. Jerry continues with a pile driver on Bunkhouse Buck, headbutt to the gut, while the natural delivers mounted punches in the corner to double A. Rhodes locks on a sleeper on Anderson, sags with a clothesline and a double choke lift on Buck. Two minutes is up, and it's Terry Funk time. He tries to throw a chair into the ring, but there's a lid on the cage. So <laughs> Terry also thinks he's in Philadelphia. Oh, Terry. So he just takes his boot off, using it to attack Dustin when he comes in. Hey, man, you know, improvise. Terry's using that boot on everybody before throwing the natural into the cage while Bunkhouse Buck and the Enforcer work on sags. Jerry fights back to hit a pile driver on Funk between the rings, which causes him to fall through the gap. But, oh my god. But Terry just crawls back into the ring. With a, uh, I, like I, a big piece of steel. 
Yeah. He I almost thought he was going to crawl out. That's what I was thinking too. Under the ring back to the outside of the cage. I did too, almost. which would have been very funny. Mm-hmm. To like maybe get a chair, go back under and come up with a chair. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would have been very funny. 2 minutes is up now and Brian Knobs comes in to only be <laughs> met by all of the stud stable trying to throw him into the cage. But Knobs reverse sending them all into it instead multiple times. Brian uses the cage as a cheese grater on Arn's head before running him into the cage once more, before hitting a leg drop. Rhodes with a cheese grater on Buck, but Funk stops that only for Sags to make the save with the boot. Everybody's just brawling away in the ring, even Terry mistakenly hitting Bunkhouse Buck as he's dazed. <laughs> I love dazed Terry Funk. More boot shots on Funk when two minutes is up, but Parker is hesitant to come in. Until he sees that Buck has the natural held for him. Bunkhouse Buck and Terry have their belts off using them on everybody. Double A hits a spine buster (laughs) on knobs in the other ring. Dustin gets hold of one of the belts and begins to whip everybody as the crowd is getting loud with anticipation for the last competitor. Ming shaking the walls out of frustration when two minutes is up and Dusty is in. Bionic elbow for you. Bionic elbow for you. You get a bionic, bionic elbow. Bionic elbows for everybody. Um, is it? I noticed that did Colonel Rob like shave or something? He looks a little different. I don't know why. Maybe I, he just yeah. I think he took his hat off. He, I think he took his hat off, and I realized <laughs> he didn't look as old. And I was like, oh, he's not that bad of a looking guy. Like I don't know. It was it's different. Dusty continues with a double noggin knocker on Anderson and Funk before sending everybody into the cage and then turning to see Parker trembling in fear. The colonel escapes to the other ring only to be caught by the Nasty Boys, where they hit an Irish whip-aided splash in the corner, followed by the American Dream locking on a figure four. Turning them into fried chicken. The other three are knocking the rest of the stud stable down before they all start dropping elbows on Parker forcing him to submit for the win. I mean, the elbow drop spam is fun. As the stud steeple is leaving, Heenan mentions that Parker has had an accident. And it was confirmed later that Colonel had had diarrhea. Oops. Horrible so the back of his pants are not white. <laughs> he really shit himself? Yes. That sucks. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for him. You should not... He, don't, he do not get... Got... Nasty size. <laughs> <laughs> do not. Yeah, don't don't go partying hard the night before the pay per view. You got to do it the next day. Eat I a mean, salad, or you know, make sure that cocaine that you have isn't cut with something that's going to give you shits all day. <laughs> I mean, he is always sweating and huffing and puffing. <laughs> Tony, Bobby, and Mean Gene are capped the evening. They talk about Hogan and Flair. Show the footage of the masked man again, allowing Vader to win before goodbyes are said as the credits roll. So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Fall Brawl 94? I watched it. What else do you want from me? (laughs) It can best be described to me as... Yeah. Well, it happened. It 110% happened. If, If you want the epitome of mediocre, watch this show. Yep. Nothing is amazing... But nothing makes me hate it. Yeah, it I just was, like it just it was just 
like lukewarm water. Just yeah. like r- like running through, like yeah, r- the show ran through me, like Colonel Parker's like lunch. Colonel Parker's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's really gross. Um, I mean, kind of the same. I mean, when when you've got Ricky Steamboat being replaced by Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and then Duggan is given the belt that was just given to Austin, I'm not happy. Of all the things that were on this show, the uh, dark match looks like it might have been something I wanted to see. <laughs> Who that? Brad Armstrong and Brian Armstrong versus Bad Attitude of Steve Kern and Bob Heaton. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. You got Steve Kern and... Wait a minute. Who was he? Uh, 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 what was his... He was Skinner. Skinner, that's what it was, yes. And then he was a doink for a while, too, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. 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 Wow, so you got one doink over in WCW and the other doink over in ECW... It's madness. And we got a doinkless WWF. Yeah, he's still around. Not much, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. You um, get a doink. You get a doink. Everybody gets a doink. I just... Of of the actual war game matches, this one was not the worst that I've seen. I was mildly impressed with the Nasty Boys because they just came in there and beat the shit out of It's people. a good match for the Nasty Boys. Yeah. Like, we know they can brawl. They had those... Tag matches with Cactus Jack and stuff, and they were pretty fun when they first showed up with like, and the Steiners were still hanging around and stuff. Johnny and Regal was a fun little start, but everything else was just like meh. And I wasn't even really all that excited about the Johnny and Regal match. It's just I find it comical, like we kind of joked. I, about I know. I'm like that. literally when I was, I was like, what is the best match on this show? <laughs> I don't know. For me, it's probably the tag match. I remember. It was a t- oh, pretty, wonderful pretty wonderful with Stars and Stripes. Yeah. I mean, I'm really... Even lo- with that ending? Even with the ending. <laughs> it was the most... Yeah. But, like, I don't know. I like Pretty Wonderful a whole lot. And I, Paul Roma just keeps coming more out of his shell. And uh, I, mean, I, I think like I'm, him. I think I'm bad and regal. That's probably my favorite match on the show. Yeah. It's not a... It's, it's because probably it, my... It, it, it's it, probably play, my it plays off what's been built into the match in their feud... Bad finally wins, after, finally wins a title. Yeah, after being even, the first guy on the show for a fucking year straight. Yeah. And we, I mean, you know, Mark Merrow's not the world's greatest wrestler, but he, Johnny B. Bad's fun. I find it hard to believe anybody's just like I, super anti-Johnny I paid B. for the show. If I was at the show, I wouldn't be disappointed when I left, but I wouldn't be like, I just went to the best show ever. Yeah. I mean, that's, the, I mean, that's, yeah, that's what the show I is. I got see Dusty. Yeah, I'd rave I mean, about that. Yeah, but other than that, yeah. I mean, you know, and if you're a kid at the time or whatever, and like you go there and Jim Duggan comes out, you might be excited. As a kid, I mean, probably. If you know who he is, even because a lot of times back in this time, you were watching WCW, you didn't know what was happening on WWF and vice versa. Yeah, it was less of a crossover. You yeah, think? it was. You were a hardcore fan of one, or you were a hardcore fan of the other, and fuck you if you liked the different one. I thought you watched both, but you I were did. more of a WWF guy. Yeah, I was more of a WWF guy, but I watched everything. But Not everybody did. No. Good, Where, where's the smart marks at? There. All right, fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. Oh, brother. Can you find a best moment of this show? Paul Roma had a really big drop kick. <laughs> He's pretty good at really big drop kicks. I mean, when he, Dusty when he, when he with the bionic elbows when he came in. 
Yeah, I mean, Dusty's just so Terry Funk trying to crawl out from between the two rings. That made me laugh. Yeah, I he looked have... like he was going to get stuck at one point. Arn did a spine Austin, buster. Austin is like literally inches away from Stone Cold. Yeah, he's like his his his, his in ring promo and like you know character work was absolutely great. Even though what he had to do was like, you know what he what he had to do was fucking go out there and be stone and be stunning Steve Austin, which he did incredibly well. And then you know the other thing he had to do was put over Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yeah, which Nobody he also did. He also did very well. Yeah, but I, I mean. Whatever his like saying what he said earlier, and I threw the oh hell yeah, I'm like because it literally felt like, like it, man. He, I, I kept waiting for him to throw the middle fingers up, yeah. literally yeah. during that entire like, speech. Can I get it? That's the bottom line. The other thing is, um, I, I always find it so funny every time he has like a, a decently lengthy promo in WCW. It's like from Hollywood, California. No, I don't have. Can you hear his voice? I can hear his voice. This guy's not from California. People, nobody from California sounds like that. Uh, Stunning Steve Austin does. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, that voice uh, so funny. Anything else? Uh, it's not. It's. Um, it's not. A, we can't. It's, it's a hard show to have takes on. Remind me, are we going for best? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, still best. I just want to make sure I'm, we. I'm going to throw out here my my best moment, whatever. Cactus Jack losing that match because it got him the fuck out of there. I'll agree with that. Yeah, yeah that's that's uh, that's my deep take. Yeah, <laughs> even if he has to do the job to Kevin Sullivan. Yeah. yeah, you know what? Nobody remembers the job to Kevin Sullivan that Mick Foley did in 1994. Nope. No. How about most disappointing? <laughs> Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yeah. Yep. Austin just you know not getting to have a match on this show. Even yeah. if he had like a, a four minute match with Duggan. It could have been the best thing on the show because that's how mediocre this show is. Even with Hacksaw Jim Duggan, it could have been the best thing because Austin is one of the most talented people on this show that got... Because in a War Games match, you can't really call anybody the best performer because it's a shit show. That's the whole point. Mm-hmm. It's not really a best Literally performer type time. of match. Yeah, it's no good God. Uh, old Colonel Rob, if you're out there, next time... <laughs> I got, one for, white. I got <laughs> one for you. I, I don't know if anyone realized there was no blood in a War Games match. I know. I was upset about that. I was thinking about it a minute With ago. Fucking Dustin Rhodes involved, who bleeds when you blink at him. Because the higher ups have <laughs> basically told them no bleeding. Yeah, and that's also why. Anymore. That's why mm-hmm. one of the reasons they got cactus out of there too. It's like we don't want to do the blood and guts, and the we don't want it, and the hardcore stuff, and you know who's. Like I mean, of course, sure. Rick probably Rick's forehead could probably use the rest from the razor blade, but like a Ric Flair title match without him fucking blading is not a top Ric Flair title yeah. match. And you don't have that crimson explosion, yeah. that platinum blonde. Dusty didn't even wrong. do didn't even do an arm blade. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, no. he likes the arm blade. Terry only ended up, I think, with a bloody lip. Yeah, and that was just on accident. <laughs> Yeah, I think we've pretty much yeah. nailed the majority of them. Mm-hmm. The I show... could go through here and just probably close my eyes and point and find something. Uh, I but... mean, that's it's very true. Like, <laughs> like every single match, there's something there's something good in every match, but there's something disappointing in every single match yeah. too. It's just that's that's the why this show is just were way too long, just mediocre completely. I mean, the triple threat thing yeah, is the, like the, so the, the, mediocre. The triangle match thing was 
too convoluted. Hogan and Flair, 10 minutes to have this convert, like... It was really long. And it was just, like, dragging on, like, we get it. I mean, good for you for, uh, for you know, pre-taping those and getting them to play off of each other that well, but uh, outside of that, I don't know what to say about it. Mm-hmm. Hogan telling everybody on pay-per-view that he has the edge over Flair. I got him. Hey, just between me and the 6,000 people here and everybody that paid fucking twenty nine ninety nine. My knee is good. Yeah. Uh, lead pipe. My, my knee no-sells lead pipes. <laughs> <laughs> How about best performer of the night? Can we name one? Um... I mean, I want to give it to Austin for being uh, great on the mic. Like it's one of those things. Like, well, we know that like Arn Anderson's always going to do good work. We know that Stephen Regal's always going to do good work, unless he's working with Inoki. <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to go for the Nasty Boys. Okay, I, cool. They, they actually mm-hmm. kind of did something for me in the War Games match. Yeah, they were. They they did okay, breathe some time. life into a mostly. Either give it to them or give it to Dusty's. Figure four. <laughs> Whatever his I mean, they just kept dropping said. those elbows. Nasty dream. Nasty dream shirt. They just kept giving all those elbow drops at the end on Colonel Parker, and I was just like, and knowing the diarrhea story, I was just like, that poor man. That poor man. I did not know that the diarrhea story. At one point, they hit him at the same time. Yeah, right in the <laughs> gut, and I'm just like, you know. While he's locked in a figure oh, four, so can't really even roll and clench or anything. You're just oh. stuck. <laughs> poor man. How about most surprising? Oh. In that case, maybe give it to fucking Colonel Parker because that's true. <laughs> yeah, I was I was honestly a little surprised that they didn't actually interact at all, Duggan and uh, Austin. I thought maybe that like there'd be some kind of punch. So when he rolled him up like that, I was like, oh, fuck. It was like it was like it was like a I was like moderately surprised and then immediately disappointed. But I was like, well, it's not like I won't get a rematch. Or do I even want one? I don't know what I want sometimes. I'm only human. Um, Johnny B. Bad got his first title. Yeah. That's surprising. I mean, it it's a long time coming, but... Yeah. It was... It's cool, and it's cool that he got it off of Regal. Yeah. I mean, Regal's fine. I mean, I don't know if he wanted to do it or not, but who cares? Regal's fine. He's great heel. Heels lose. Yeah. Heels lose sometimes. That's part of, that's all part of the deal. That's right. <sighs> that I made it through the whole fucking show? Uh... <laughs> I mean, to be honest, my notes got a little light in the. By the time we hit War Games, yeah, I mean, like I, I actually the, took. This is the shortest notes that I've ever done for a War Games match. I took notes through the the Johnny and Regal match, and then I stopped taking notes from there. I was like, "What the fuck? Why bother?" I can remember that I'm gonna bitch about this. Yeah, I'm going with that. I made it through the whole show <laughs> from start to finish. Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. Thank God. <laughs> this week, the category is What's in a Name? It's just a name, a name, a name, a name. What's in a name? What's in a name? So I will give you the real name of a wrestler. You give me that wrestler. Five points for a correct answer. Three points if we go to multiple choice. Hmm. So the name this week is Nelson Scott Simpson. Nelson Scott Simpson. Somebody we've seen before, obviously. Yes. 83 and 92. 
Well, we know it is not Mabel <laughs> because he is a different Nelson. Oh, what's his real name? Nelson Fraser <laughs> okay. Jr. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, all right. Nelson Scott Simpson. I don't have anything off the top of my head. I can't afford to just to to just set an outer True. Range, yes. I'm like one point away from triple digits, right? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm good with multiple choice. Alright, we'll go to multiple choice. Your four options are Nelson Royal, Night Stalker, Nikita Koloff, Scott Norton. Who was the first one again? Nelson Royal. <laughs> Night Stalker. Fuck is Nelson Royal. Nikita Koloff. Scott Norton. Eh, I'm going to go Night Stalker just because. Night Stalker is incorrect. <sighs> Who is Nelson Royal? I have no idea. <laughs> I could be one of those things where he's like, well, is an actual Nelson. I thought there was like, mm, maybe. But no, I'm just trying to figure out. I'm trying to think of a character even oh. that I've seen with the name Nelson Royal. Maybe he was on the a, one of the AWA shows. That could be. Could have been on that bunkhouse stampede thing that I never watched. <laughs> According uh, to Matt, because we, we told you not to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the one that made my ears tingle was Scott Norton. I don't know if that's his real name or not, but I'm just gonna go for Scott Norton. Scott Norton. Is incorrect. Oh, it's Nikita Koloff. It's Nikita Koloff. That was my second thought. I was like, Night Stalker, Nikita Koloff, what am I going to pick? Which, we may have people complain, because Nikita Koloff is his real name now, because he's changed his name. Oh. But that's not back then. But back then, between 1983 and 92, his name was Nelson Scott Simpson? Yes. Ooh. I'm going to have to remember that. That's a good trivia question. Yeah. I was especially considering you got that little uh, little extra extra stuff in there. But I mean, you go to his Wikipedia's full name, Nelson Scott Simpson. We all know why he probably changed his name, so we could use it. Mm-hmm. You can't join the Kolaf family if your last name is Simpson. Ah, <laughs> oh, foiled again. Next week, Halloween Havoc 1994. It's a Halloween Havoc in 1994. I mean, we're gonna get a, our third. Or the end of a trilogy, potentially. God, I hope so. Of uh, Hogan and Flair in a cage. Will there be blood? In a cage. Loser must retire. If it what? was, yeah. If it was any other, if it was any year previous to '94, I would say there will be blood. But you're gonna have to tune in to find out if Flair gets that razor blade. Yeah, you know Hogan gets stuck like a. Oh yeah. Stuck like a pig. Is that mm-hmm. the same? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Music from this week's show is Guitar Killer by Eric Jean Casper. And Dusty's team came out to Dustin's music, so we're going to play it. That's cool. I love that song. Natural. Natural. The Natural by Connor, (laughs) Seitz, and Papa. That's the guys who wrote it. Okay. Well, they did a good song. It's a good song. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there, rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. Do as Michael says. Five stars or no stars. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, recipes, yeah, I like to the Southern Michigan, Miami. Detroit, Michigan next week. Hell so yeah, we are. Send me something. Be fun. You can always email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling, H I S T O X. We'll talk to you next week. Later. Yeah,